Okay, so last week, if you were here, um, you will know we did this little mini-series on the Holy Spirit, and uh, last week, if you were here, uh, I, I spent quite a lot of time talking about the Trinity. We, as followers of Jesus, believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And curiously enough, we, we don't seem to spend too much time reflecting on that, so I wanted to put that, that wrong to right, and if you missed it, please... Do, do look at the video cast or on the podcast. It'll give you a bit of background, a bit of theology, a bit of understanding. But it has to be said that when we're talking about the Trinity, we're really like ants trying to describe an elephant. You know, we can catch glimpses of the truth and we can say things that we are certain of, but we can't get the whole picture. However, however, it's worth the battle because it does begin to shed light on other aspects. And one of the things I want to convey to you in this mini-series mini, mini is is that really the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not just an it. It's not, you know, the Star Wars, let the force be with you. The Holy Spirit is a he. Jesus refers to him as a he. And as I said last week, it was the experience of the early church who recognized the work of God the Holy Spirit. And we, for various reasons, which I haven't got time to go over again, you know, have sort of lost that sense of the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, those of you who know your Bibles a little bit will probably, you know, encourage me to say, you know, the Holy Spirit has emotion. In Ephesians, it says we can grieve the Holy Spirit, you know. So I think most of us, you know, we, get the, we kind of get the idea of God the Father, and then we, we sort of get the idea of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, the Holy who, you know. But we really must grapple with this and understand this. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time on that. We finished off last week after a little bit of uh, theology, if you like, thinking about how curiously God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit seem to connect with, with something very deep within us. Uh, and I made a, a little comment about how psychologists tell us that, that there are three core things that we need apart from food, water, shelter, etc. Love, acceptance, and significance. Love, acceptance, and significance. And these things, curiously enough, appear to be provided in the personality of God Himself. God the Father, the God who loved us and pursued us when we had no truck or no, no time for Him. God the Father who loved us and, and, and initiated the whole plan of salvation. Then there's Jesus the Son who saved us, and in spreading His arms wide, it says in the scriptures, when Jesus is lifted up, he will draw all men and women to him. Not just some, not just the religious, not just those who sort of fancy a bit of faith, but all men will be drawn to him. And that's the measure of Christ's invitation. That's the measure of Christ's acceptance, that he will let, if you will let him, he will die for you. You may regard yourself as irredeemable, the worst of all sinners. But if you will let him, if you will ask him to forgive your sin and invite him into your life, hoping beyond hope, as it were, to live the life of a Christian in years to come, if you will do that, if you will begin that thing and press into that thing, God will receive you. Jesus himself will accept you. Then thirdly, significance. And I finished last week by saying that, believe it or not, it says in the scriptures that God has things for us to do, particular things. He has things in mind for you to do. The book of Ephesians says that there are works that have been prepared beforehand for you to do. 
It's not like Jesus is saying, okay, well, he got a degree in engineering, so let me think, what can I get him to do? Actually, God had something in mind for you and still has. Some of you are pursuing that course and some of you are not. Now, it doesn't mean to say that every single one of you will end up doing something magnificent and extraordinary like being the president of the United States of America. It may just be that you, you, know, you, you serve faithfully in your local community. You serve faithfully at your church. You, you're a good father, a good mother. You're a blessing and, a, and you add value to the company you work for. But there is a way of doing things, a way of walking the royal way, I call it, in every call and walk of life. And God has set this before you. God has this in mind for you. The significance thing, that, that need to fulfill God's purposes for you is the way we find significance. So that's, that's where we were up to it the last, last week. Now what I want to do now is actually a slightly difficult thing. It's easy at one level, but difficult at another. Because I want to spend the next few minutes talking about the the functions of the Holy Spirit. Now, it is a curious thing that when one talks about the Holy Spirit, actually, it's as if he doesn't want the attention. Because it actually says in the scripture that that one of the the whole reasons, you know, the the, the passion, that's a better word, the passion of the Holy Spirit is, is to shed light on Jesus. You know, just as we hope in this church we don't draw attention to ourselves as much as we do to Jesus. You know, time and again, people ask us, why are you doing this? You know, why are you doing the feed ministry? 120 clients came through on Monday. Why are you doing this? You know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, why do you do this? Why do you do the other? You know, and, and the question is always, always because we felt God told us to. We want to make Christ known. We want to, we want to draw attention to Jesus. And that's very much that, you know, what... The passion of the Holy Spirit. He wants to shed light on the person of Jesus Christ and his saving work for you and for me upon that cross when he died for the sins of the world. So he's a little bit kind of elusive. He's not an attention seeker. He's not you know, like some B celebrity who wants to be in the picture as well. He actually kind of draws back from that. But everything I say is in the word of God today, so I'm, I'm on safe ground. The first thing then I want to just tell you about his function is that he is the advocate, the advocate. Now, if you look up the word advocate in the Bible, it it will tell you that it is one who pleads in court, one who pleads in court. Now, some of you may have personal experience of that. Maybe, God forbid, you've had to go to court and, and, and you've needed help and it's usually very expensive and it's usually bewigged and begowned and it costs a lot of money. But nonetheless, when all is said and done, There are certain occasions where you need someone to speak up for you. Romans 8 verse 26 says this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The advocate is here to help us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray or say or do. For the Spirit himself, but the Spirit himself intercedes. The advocate comes on our behalf. And, and, and intercede, prays, and seeks God for us. Isn't that a comfort to know? In fact, in the book of Romans, in chapter 8, there it says that not only does the Holy Spirit intercede for us, act as an advocate, but Jesus himself is still doing that. Just as when Jesus was crucified, he, he was crucified, he died the death that you and I deserve. As he stepped and he substituted himself, you know, as he did that, he's still doing that. He's still sort of interceding for us. Isn't that good to know that there is some, you have friends in high places, 
boy, we all need a little help sometimes. So the first thing I want to say is, you have a friend that perhaps you weren't realized, a friend in high places, who is utterly for you, pleading your case, pleading your case. The second title or functional or name we might give the Holy Spirit is the counselor. Excuse me. (coughs) A counselor is, the dictionary will tell you, an advisor. You know, there's been times when, uh, you know, we, we often hear about them in, in, the, in the newspapers, don't we, or on the television reports, where, where these, there are these consultants that come in to, to consult with the government and advise them on policy and things like that. I think most people realize at the right time, it's wise to get some sort of consultant in. Someone who is a counselor, someone who speaks wisdom. Sometimes it can be in a formal situation. Sometimes it can just be friends sitting across the, the table in a kitchen sharing a story. And maybe you've done this yourself where you've sat down with a friend with a cup of coffee and you've, you've poured out your heart because of some issue with the kids or some issue at work or some issue with some issue that, that's just bothering you and you just can't seem to get your head around it. And, so, and your friend listens and they just kind of don't interrupt and that's wonderful. And then all of a sudden they just come out with this simple thing where they say, it sounds like you're, t- you're saying to me that, that this thus and so needs to happen. And you go, oh, thank you. Oh, I can't believe I didn't see it. Of course. And that word of wisdom at the right moment, that, that little truth, that little insight is worth its weight in gold. And that's what the scripture says the counselor will do. There's a number of, of, of other uh, functions that the counselor does. Uh, in uh, John chapter 14, verses 25 to 26, I think I've got that, says this, all this I have spoken, this is Jesus speaking, while with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. He will teach you all things. You know, when you're, you know, when you're befuddled and your brain doesn't seem to work anymore, a little word of wisdom, a little insight will, will come to you. And we see this as a ministry of the Holy Spirit, and you think, wow, thank you. And it may well come through a friend on the opposite side of the kitchen table. But sometimes it's just a thought that pops into your mind. Very often, I don't know about you, but just as I'm waking up first thing in the morning, very often the Lord just pops something into my mind. And I think, oh, thank you. And I rush downstairs and just jot that down. Or my wife even has a notepad beside her bed, and she'll, she'll kind of put things on that. You know, just little bits of clarity. The Holy Spirit teaches you all things. The other thing to know about that, and I find this exciting and a challenge, is that, that it implies that we don't know all things yet. You know, I'm at an age in life where I'm beginning to think I know all things. You know, I'm an expert on everything. You know, from holes in the ozone to how to bake a cake, you know, forgive me, you know. But the reality is I don't. And frequently I find that I don't know what I'm talking about. And I need to sort of ask. But there it is in the scriptures that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all things. Have you asked the Holy Spirit recently to open, open your mind to the things of God? Have you asked the Holy Spirit to confide in you? I came across a little expression in the scriptures this week where it just says, you know, God confides in those in, in whom he loves. I love that sense of God confiding. You know, a friend confides in someone. 
And God the Father, as a friend, will confide in you if you will make yourself available and if you will ask. I'm excited to know what it is that God has on his heart that he wants to share with me that I don't know yet. God will teach you all, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and also remind you of everything I've said to you. You know, I, I, I've got several Bibles now and uh, I've, I've, I've had many more over the years and some of them have quite literally just fallen apart. I can never bear to throw them away so they get piled up, you know. And every now and then I sort of grab one because I'm trying to find something, usually something that Dennis has asked me. He says, where is so-and-so? I was trying to find something in Job this week. And I'm flipping through this Bible that I used to use a lot, but now I'm not using. And throughout this Bible, which is now really dog-eared, so I can't take it out of home, there are highlights and there are notes and there are notes on notes. And I'm looking at these things. And I've obviously done some sort of Bible study and I've obviously sort of researched that and gone deep into that, but I've completely forgotten what this is about. I thought, when did I look at Job? My goodness, you know, there's all this stuff. You know, so the Holy Spirit comes, and in time, in place, in season, he will remind you of things that you've forgotten. Hands up here, if you remember everything you ever learned. Somebody went, <laughs> trick question. Of course not. I'm scared about how much I've forgotten. I've forgotten far more than I know now. That really is a scary thing. But the Holy Spirit comes and in due season will remind us of that which he has spoken to us already about. He'll remind you of prophetic words, 14 years, you know. He'll remind you of, of promises that will just keep you going that little bit longer, right? Am I right? I'm right. He'll just keep you in that place of faith when you would just think, oh, oh, I give up. But then he reminds you of a promise, the word of a friend, the prayers of a mother, the prayers of a whatever and so on and so forth. So uh, uh, another little thing, and then we'll move on to another name. Uh, you know, God is the one who, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, is the one who glorifies Jesus. In John 16, 14, it says that the Holy Spirit will come to glorify Jesus, and he will convince us of the truth so that we want to glorify Jesus too. I've already said this, that the Holy Spirit is not about making a name for himself. The Holy Spirit seeks to make a name for Jesus. And that's why, you know, we are excited about Jesus. And whilst we, we, we love the presence of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we recognize that, that Jesus has to be at the very center of all that we say and do. Because that's what the Holy Spirit is, is doing. That's what he's working in us. An appreciation, an understanding insight uh, about who Jesus is. That's what the Holy Spirit does among us. We could spend more time talking about aspects of his being uh, a counselor, an advisor, but there are two more things I want to just mention before we wind up. The Holy Spirit comes as an empowerer. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 um, says this, and this is Jesus again speaking to his disciples. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, when you've been reading uh, the Bible, when you've started digging into the New Testament in particular, the story about Jesus, you begin to realize that faith is not a private thing. You know, there's those people in our society who have no faith whatsoever. They say, well, I don't believe, you know, whatever. And then there are those who do believe, but they believe it's a private thing. Just something very quiet.
required. I don't make a big song and dance about it. You know, with respect, I have to say to you, you are completely at odds with the word of God. If Jesus is who we say he is, this is something that needs to be shouted from the steeple-tops, not kept private and personal. Sure, I have a, a, a private, personal faith. Uh, I, I have that, what, what we call a secret history. There are things in my life that, that only God and I will know. There's been dreams I've had and visions I've had that I, 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 I were just for me. There's been aspirations, but all of that is a subcontext, a subplot. Of, of the desire, the passion to work together with you guys to make Christ known. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We're getting all Pentecostal. But that's part of it. The word of God says, shout it from the hilltops. God is Lord over the flood. I found that one this week in the Psalms. God is Lord over the flood. He is the sovereign Lord of all. And he is he's going to glorify his son, Jesus, who has won for himself the whole of creation, all that is seen and unseen, and will redeem it, will fix it. The time is coming when God will fix the environment. He will fix these storms. He will fix it with a new heaven and a new earth. And at the very center of this will be Jesus himself. It says there will be no need for a sun or a moon or the stars or power stations, be they nuclear or, or fossil fuel, because the glory of God will be so bright that we will see everything. And it will be a light that, that has no shadow. It will be a light that shows up everything for what it's worth. That day is coming when Christ returns and we look forward to that day. And in this season, we, we make Christ known. You know, I started off my Christian life not, not um, having been raised as a Christian, but when I, when I really got fired up by the Holy Spirit, all I wanted to do was share my faith with others and, and lead them in a simple prayer of commitment, that thing that I have invited you to do and will invite you to do again at the ser- end of the service. But I realized that wasn't enough because I was leading people to Christ, but they were never making it into the community of God. So then I started taking people along to church, and, and the kind of people I was hanging out with really couldn't hack the kind of churches that were in North Yorkshire at that time. They couldn't make any sense of it. I was struggling too. So that led me into, and my wife into the whole business of church planting, and so we started this place 25 years ago, and now we've planted out others, and I'm told that in total there's 27 churches who are our children and grandchildren now. I'm not saying it's for everyone, but I'm just saying that you know, we need all manner of means of making Christ known, and it's not just about the evangelism. We have to model the kingdom here so that you can come along and not just hear the truth spoken, but that you can see the truth. You can say, well, my, were my kids loved? You know, were they cared for? You know, do, uh, do these Christians show love one another? Do they care for the community? Are they, are they heralding in? Are they modeling the kingdom of God? All of this is part of our commission. And I must say, it's more than I can manage. It's more than, than I can manage in the company of good friends like Simon and Melanie and, and, and um, sorry, what's your name? Dan, I've known you for 20 years. It's more than any of us can do. That's why we need supernatural help. That's why we need the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses We've spoken about this before, John, John 15. He says, you must testify about me. But wait, hang on a minute, because you're going to come to a sticky end. You'll never manage it without the help of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
The Holy Spirit comes on you. So there you, there you have it, Jesus the Empowerer. And there's one other title. We, we could spend a lot of time on this. I invite you to seek, you know, seek this out for yourself. But there's one other title. And, and I'm actually going to break a sort of a little rule I have in a way. I want to refer back to my early days as a Christian when you couldn't get one of these fancy new Bibles. I, I use the today's new, uh, new international version commonly now. One of the more recent ones, but the scholarship is very good. But when I first became a follower of Jesus, there was only the King James Version. So I still remember bits of that. And I'm going to quote from that, actually, uh, because Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the Comforter. The Comforter. And in John chapter 14, verse 16, in the King James Version, I love the way it expresses this. Jesus says, Excuse me, he doesn't say cough, cough. He says, Jesus says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Says in, in the book of, of 2 Corinthians, God is the God of all comfort. Where do you go for comfort when you've had a hard day? Where do you go when you're, you're tired and discouraged? We all have days like that. Sometimes we have seasons and years like that. Where do you go for that comfort and encouragement? All too often we default to inappropriate places, whatever that means for you. We eat too much, we drink too much, we watch the wrong things, we hang out with the wrong people, we do anything to self-medicate. But actually God himself is a comforter. He is not just a comforter, he is the comforter. The God of all comfort. And if you forget everything I say, please God, please Holy Spirit, remind them of this. Remind them of this, that as followers of Jesus, we are not alone. We are not alone. The Holy Spirit is present among us as a comforter. Now bear with me just a moment as I unpack this slightly. You know, I, uh, my wife and I, we have uh, four grown-up children. They're all in their 30s now. The eldest is nearly pushing on towards 40 now, which is kind of a scary thought. I mean, I don't have 40-year-old children. I don't get that one. But I remember when they were in teens, when they finished their education, you know, we had all spent a year together in, in uh, Anaheim in Southern California as part of our training to church plant. And these were very ha- those were very happy weeks, months that we spent there. And so all of my, my children, when they came to that point in their life, when they had finished their sort of you know, GCSEs and A-levels and whatever else, they, they took a time out and they went to the States. Now, one of my daughters, Jessie, she went and did a a, a kind of church course, and on the way back, something rather extraordinary happened. A local church invited her to come on staff, and that threw her into all manner of turmoil, because she really was a home girl. The rest wanted to see the world, but she was a home girl, and it seemed like God was saying to her to uproot and go, and not just visit for a few months, but live on the other side of the world, and she was in agony about that. And she wept and she prayed and she fasted and all the rest of it. And we've wept and prayed and fasted with her. And finally she said, I believe it's the Lord, I must go. So the the horrible day came where we took her to Heathrow Airport. And uh, we went as far as we could with her. We we checked in at the, 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 the ticket desk. We went upstairs. We had a coffee and in Starbucks or whatever it was called then, trying to sort of be light. And 
Then we walked along to the departure gate, and there came a point where there was a line that we could not cross. And that point, we had to kiss her and release her. And she walked off down, down the little ramp to go through to the departure lounge, and our hearts broke. On another occasion, just to be light in the moment, my daughter Noelle did a similar sort of a thing. She went down there, and instead of taking a right, which was plain to see that everybody should go right at the end, she went left. And we thought, oh my God, she's only been out of our, our help and care for, for 3.2 seconds, and she's already gone the wrong way. You know, and I think, ah! And then a moment or two later, she sort of very sheepishly went, oh God, help her. They all made it. But my daughter Jessie, she's still in the States. In fact, she's just this last week, literally this last week, taken US citizenship. And throughout the 90s, it was an agony because there was no sort of clever sort of, um, uh, you know, computer stuff then. All we had was the telephone. And, and we used to have an appointment to ring her once a month for 10 minutes. It's all we could afford. And uh, it was an agony because the lines in the 90s, you know, you would speak and there would be a pause and you'd think, oh, she didn't hear. So you'd speak again, but that's when the reply came through. So you'd be talking at the same time because of time lags. And some days, you know, the line for some reason was crystal clear and other times it was crackly. And it, all it did was did two things. It was guaranteed to reduce my wife to tears at the end of the call. She'd hold it together until she put phone down, and then she would slump onto the stairs and burst into tears, as my wife. And all it really did was, it, was tell you that we were, we were no longer together. We couldn't be there, we couldn't, all the rest of it. And I tell you that to say this. There comes a point in the story of Jesus where on the last night before he's betrayed, on the night he's betrayed before he goes to the cross, he meets with his followers and he says to you, he says to them, he says, I'm going to leave you now. But don't worry. I'm going to send a comforter to you, the Holy Spirit. Well, these guys, these disciples, they've been on the road together for three years. All they got was, I'm going to leave you now. They didn't get beyond that. What do you, what do you mean you're going to leave us? What, you're going to pop out for a pint of milk and a loaf of bread? No, you mean... You mean you'll, no, you mean you're leaving us? I mean, like, forever? You see, brothers and sisters, friends, we could be like that. We could be a bunch of religious people meeting together, celebrating the fact that somebody called Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, and that was the end of it, but this is a, he, he gave us a few tips to, a few ideas about how to live our life. And we could gather together and we could sing a few songs and cheer one another up. But the reality is Jesus has said, I have not left you comfortless. I've not left you like that. I've not left you like, Chris, your daughter Jessie left you. You know, in fairness now, as many of you know, I mean, I could literally ring up my daughter Jessie and FaceTime with her on this iPhone, this smartphone. I could see her little face there and it would be real time, and it would be great, and we could have a chat. And that's been wonderful, it's free as well. But nothing compares with those days 
when we arrive at an airport and she comes running down, now with her children, and they, they kind of hang off me and they grip my leg and won't let go and I'm hobbling along with one grandchild sort of dragging it along the sort of airport concourse saying, sorry, sorry, mind you don't run that trolley over that child. You know, like this. You know, there's all this kind of desperate physical contact because you're here. You're here. Don't ever leave us again. And you're here. And that's how it is with the Christian faith. God has not left us comfortless. We are not alone. God is with us by his Holy Spirit. And if you forget everything else, remember that. Let's all stand. Let me just pray. Holy Spirit, I want to say thank you to you because I can speak to you and I can address you and we can speak to you and address you. and We sense your presence here and we see your, your, your work and your hand among us. We're not composing some letter which takes weeks to be delivered and then enough further weeks we get a reply. You are here and you have promised to be present in your church. And we pray, Lord God, but in these days, these days when so many are, are crying out, not knowing what to do, knowing despair, when they see their lives in rack and ruin around them, we pray, Lord God, that we will make Christ known, the wonders of his grace, and we will engage with and enjoy the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.